1: This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host Josh. Neighbors joining us. It is the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. Nobody covers TCU better than Stephen Simcox. We're here to talk about the prime of it all. No, not the Logan Paul sports drink. We were talking about uh Deion Sanders and Colorado's victory over TCU on Saturday. It was a it was a Big 12 affair. I'll I'll, I'll say that. Um, good to have you back Stephen. I mean just You think about it now, you and I are recording this on a school night, so we're actually glad to have you, Monday night. Uh, Your thoughts, kind of, you know, two-plus days removed. Just like when you look back, do you feel the same way afterwards? Do you feel a little bit different? Anger, sadness, what do you feel?
0: A little bit of all of those things. I, I mean, I think I had some concerns going into that game about, okay, is TCU going to be, like, ready for this? Because Sonny Dykes had said multiple times, it's really challenging to prepare for this team. We don't know who's going to be on the field aside from some of the main names. We don't really, I mean, we have an idea of their scheme, but we won't know until the game starts, like what exactly they're going to do. Um, But Colorado went into Amon G Carter. They could not run the football Um, really like their offense and defensive line struggled, maybe not as much as I thought, but they certainly weren't the strengths of the team. And it didn't matter. Like, Shadur Sanders just sliced them and diced them up all day. And I understood, like – I understood Joe Gillespie's approach at the start of the game. Okay, you're going to play soft coverage. You're going to kind of play things vanilla. You just want to see what happens. Um, But as that game went on and they kept getting beat on these short passes where they would miss tackles and guys were just making plays – and obviously Travis Hunter is amazing. I, I think I discounted just how good he is and the fact that he would step into a power five football game and dominate like he did on Saturday on both sides of the ball. Um, but defensively, I have concerns. This is now like from a TCU perspective, this is three straight games. If you go back to last year where they've looked pretty lost um on that side of the ball, it, it feels like people have kind of figured out if you isolate their safeties and linebackers in space in the passing game, then there's, there's some, uh, to be made there. Um, and so I think that's a concern for TCU as far as the game itself. I mean, it was a fantastic football game. It was yeah. back and forth. It kind of felt like the Fiesta bowl in reverse. Like TCU was the team that was the heavy favorites. They got hit in the mouth early. Uh, they eventually got to a point where they're trading scores, but ultimately Colorado made more plays. Um, And I thought – I mean, I thought Chandler Morris was good. I didn't think he was great. He had, obviously, a couple ill-timed interceptions. But I think it it could go one of two ways, right? Like, TCU could get off the mat. They could go on a run. Maybe six weeks later, Colorado has won four or five games, and we look back at that and we think, well, they caught a good team at the wrong time. Um, Or this thing could kind of derail, you know, if if they drop a game to, like, Houston or SMU in the next few weeks – then it could get kind of ugly. But um, I, I guess I was most, I was most surprised by – I really thought after the national title game, this would be a group that would come in like hungry with a chip on their shoulder, ready to prove that they were, uh, you know, an elite team that was trending towards being an elite program. And, you know, like Sonny said after the game, that he didn't feel like the guys were ready to play. Um, and I was just kind of mm. dumbfounded by that. Like it week, can happen. yeah, week one, I mean, I get like, I, I get that you're the favorites, but also nobody's talking about you going into this football game. Like all, all the coverage is about Coach Prime in right. Colorado. And I get it. Like it's an amazing story. And now it's an even more incredible story. But everyone, I mean, everyone was talking about Colorado. They were there in Fort Worth and big noon kickoff was just like wall-to-wall coverage of this experiment that we were going to see you know really that was kind of unheard of in the college football ranks um and they got beat on a national stage so that's not great but there's a lot of football left to be played and um i mean you got to appreciate like that was a well coached football team that they played they you know? they
1: they smoked TCU in that category
0: which yeah they they didn't make good. mistakes i mean they didn't they turned the ball over i think once you know they had some penalties but it definitely didn't look like just uh hey, let's get a bunch of really talented guys together and we'll just roll the ball out there and and make it happen. I mean, they had a
1: clear game plan and they executed it well. So the first thing I want to approach is the, is the Sonny Dykes part of it, you mentioned, with the – like they weren't prepared to play. I think – obviously you have to blame him for that, yes. I think there's a part of it, though, too, like last year's team. I you, think You and I talked about it a lot, like how player-driven it was, right? Yeah. You know, he, he mentioned a whole lot of that. And – a lot of that, like some of that leadership is still there, especially on defense, which is the crazy part about all of this. But um, some of that leadership is not there anymore. And I think this is a team clearly he needs to grab the bull by the horns a bit more with. Uh, that was kind of my first observation. Secondly, so Chandler Morris was, I thought he was bad. I, I thought his decision-making was bad. Okay. Um, I, I thought that there were just, there were times where he clearly did not look comfortable and the decision making was forced. Um, they, they hit some big plays, obviously, but I don't. But that mm-hmm. was that was. I felt like when the plays broke down a little bit, like I'm so used to watching Max Duggan make something happen,
0: yeah. that
1: I was that I was thinking about that. And then on the on the on the um, offensive play side, like that part of things, they rushed for seven yards of carry. And they would go down the field rushing, and then would just like abandon the rush at the, end of, at the end of some of the drives. And it was like, "What are you? What are you doing?" And that's that's a problem at this point. Like Kendall Bryles is still relatively young, but is he going to change? This is a problem that he's had everywhere he's gone. Right. And so, no matter how good the rushing attack is, and look, I, I know I've I've focused on an offense that has, um, g- gave up, you know, uh, scored forty-two points, but like, look, TCU's defense. For all the issues that you know we've talked about, like they've been really good at making adjustments, but this is a group. But when they played elite talent, they were not always excellent. Last mm-hmm. last year, they had a couple games against elite level talent. Uh, the Michigan game, they played pretty well for the most part. Once you know they, they did allow some explosive plays, and then George game, obviously, we know what happened there. And 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 Kansas State did move the ball pretty well against them in the uh, in the championship title game. game. Yeah, right. So. You know on the offense, like the offense to me, and once again, this scored 42 points, but like they left a lot out there red zone picks, um, play calling, and Chandler more decision making. I mean, I, I thought it all was a confluence of of things, and it felt like TCU had a couple chances to kind of step on it when it felt like the momentum was shifting, and they just were not able to do it offensively.
0: No, I mean, that's fair. I, I think to the Chandler part, um, he definitely missed some throws, right? Like, yeah. There, there was the decision making you were talking about. It, it just seemed when he I was, was not watching,
1: efficient. He was no, really not. He was not efficient.
0: He was like fifty percent on the day. Um, yeah. And also, he was just. I mean, he was locked in. Like he was staring dudes down. Yes. The timing wasn't always there. That first pick to Wiley, where he's trying to get Wiley in the end zone. I mean, he was just really late with it. And then even the which the third and one call where Travis Hunter made the interception at like the five yard line. That was inexcusable. Like I don't know if it was an RPO, I don't know if it was a play action pass. Right. But you've they started that uh, drive with the one yard line, and Bonnie Bailey breaks off a seventy-four yard run. They had run the ball down their throats. Like just hand the ball off, get the first down. You got first yeah, and goal.
1: I hate that throw. I, I you know I'm I'm a, I'm a I understand the offense. Like a lot of people on this offense, right? Like it, it is a yeah. well adapted offense, but. You have to understand situationally when you're in that part of the field, like throws to the boundary are not what you want to be doing because yeah. it does give guys who are that athletic a chance. And if your advantage has been between the tackles, if you're uh, – guess what, what yard were they on there? Like six – was it was it inside the five? Were they inside the five or they inside the ten?
0: Yeah, okay. I think they were at the five yard. line Because it was like third and one from the five. If they got the first down, they'd be at the four. Right.
1: right. So you got two chances to get one yard. Do not yeah. throw the ball to the boundary in that situation. It, and, and look, I don't think Colorado had a tackle for loss the entire day.
0: No, they didn't. They, they didn't, didn't have a single
1: yeah. tackle for loss.
0: Or a sack. I mean, the O-line was leading. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the other thing, too, about the offense, and I'm not sure if it – I don't know if it goes back all to Chandler or if it's the receivers or a mix of both. Josh, I had concerns about these receivers, like, going in yeah. to the year in the spring. And then as we got closer to fall camp and then through fall camp, they the coaching staff was really kind of pushing that position group. They're like, we actually feel like we're we're deeper here, you know, top to bottom. But you look at the guys they brought in. Like J.P. Richardson um, had a good career at Oklahoma State. Yes. Uh, Daylon Wright's a guy that showed some flashes at Minnesota, former like four star recruit, but hasn't really done much at at this level of football. Um, Savion Williams last year was a good complement to a really good. Yeah, dominant wide receiver in Quentin Johnson, he had two catches on Saturday. Yeah. Like Jared Wiley was the guy. He had six catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. And I mean, I like I thought he would have a big year or I think he's going to have a big year and it's going to help him a lot being in this offense. But um it, it's one of those things like if you if you're selling me on we have we have 10 receivers in the room that we think could be good. Okay, well who's the guy? Like who's who's right. the dude that on third and six, you know, we can we can go to that guy. We can isolate him. He's going to get open. And maybe it is J.P. Richardson, but in college football, it's rare to have a dude like that in the slot. You can have good players that are slot receivers and that are reliable and that can move the chains. Um, but between like Savion Williams
1: – They and, need like JoJo Earl to step up in that yeah, slot I mean, role, right? He's I mean, he's five, somebody's, yeah,
0: somebody's gotta got to be him. the dude. Um, and it, it didn't look like they had that guy – on Saturday. But I mean, I think also the the strangest thing about Chandler's career is he's been around for four seasons, but he hasn't played a whole lot. And so I I feel like reps are going to help him, but he's, I mean, he's got limited arm strength, like Max for all his warts, he could air that thing out. And so (laughs) it was, it was
1: was moving the chains of the arm was a problem for Max, not (laughs) top
0: off. It was that he would airmail a running back on a swing pattern or just, you know, beeline of uh, try to throw a ball through a receiver's chest on a slant. Um, right. It wasn't, it wasn't that he couldn't get it down the field. So this is a very different, it's a very different uh, offense that they're running now.
1: I mean, this is, this is why Max is, you know, I, I'm not sure. If he, did he get picked up? Cause I mean, he's not on, a, you know, he's, he's not...
0: he re-signed with the Chargers. He was on the practice squad. So he got okay. waived and then he came back.
1: Yeah. All right. But like, you know, that, that's why it's like, you know, we're talking like, Hey, you should stay in college. There's not, I know he, was like he accomplished everything, but like the you know the intermediate passing stuff like can always get better, and he wants to stick around the NFL. And one thing he needs to keep drilling on. And Chandler, that is more his game, but he was just not accurate enough. Mm-hmm. And you know even on that last play, like I th- he looked nervous at times this game, but like on that one he needs to recognize that rush is coming, and I thought he needs to work back to the like you know he needs you know, I, Tony Romo always did that. that's. He has that spin move he always did, right? He'd always do that thing where he doubled, you know, he'd, he'd, yeah. he'd right-handed, he'd spin back to his right and come back around basically from the left side and then reset. That's say he needs the Romo spin. And That's you know, the Tony was a very good NFL quarterback, but like he needs to have some awareness and like you can't just dump that thing off to Jared Wiley. You need to know what the down and this, you need the situation. We have to get the ball, you know, the first down line yeah. here. He needs to make something happen there, and I just thought it was poor awareness, and I think that that was kind of a microcosm of his entire day.
0: Well, and the last thing I'll say about Chandler at the so when they hired when they hired Kendall Bryles um, and, and they've said that one of the reasons they did this was because they think Chandler is a great fit for this offense. But if you notice mm-hmm. what they did after he came on board, they made a full court press for Jaden Rashada and, you know, to get him like to to sign. They lose out right. on him to Arizona State. They went after um, Walker Howard, who ended up old Miss transferred from LSU. They went after Sawyer Robertson really heavily from Mississippi State, who ended up Baylor. Um, they made a late push for Austin. Nova said when it started to become evident that he might flip Oregon now, Yeah. Like, and then they went and, and got chance Nolan in the portal from Oregon state um, who was really experienced and he showed up to camp and I guess he, you know, a couple of practices in was like, I'm not going to, this is not going to work for me. And I bailed. But my point is like they went after four or five different guys. And, and right. I, I think that could be more, they were worried about Josh Hoover's the backup and he's um, a sophomore who hasn't played it all and wasn't like a can't miss type prospect coming out of high school. Uh, But I'm also wondering if that was, I didn't know.
1: I didn't know who he was until Saturday to give you. Yeah.
0: And, and I'm also, but I'm also wondering if some of that pursuit was uh, maybe they wanted somebody to come and push him a little bit in camp, maybe not take the job, but at least have somebody there that they felt like could, could give him some competition and it just didn't come to fruition.
1: And I don't mean to be like this is terrible, this is awful, but like this, you know, if your defense is gonna play like that, and, and look, I know Colorado's off, but like, look, the the book is out on how to beat TCU on defense, and let's go to yeah. defense now. You and I did the preview, and I was like, Steven, are we crazy to think that, that the secondary could be the strength of this team? Look, I know Travis Hunter is a special player, and Dylan Edwards had a really good day but like you look at these guys and where they came from before they are good players they are not these are not not world beaters but here's the thing georgia's wide receiving core the very said the very same can be said about them right the one knock on georgia last year was that receiving core actually was not excellent yeah it was it was not this unbelievable world beating receiving core like you see at places like alabama and so i have some serious concerns about tcu's defense because steven they they play with the three, you know, three, three, five. We know it. And Joe Gillespie makes a lot of adjustments, but like once they, once they kind of brawl a little bit more pressure, I mean, they were Colorado was, t- was getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play in the second half and, uh, you know, trading blows. And it was like we were back to square one all of a sudden. And, and the thing was, we could count on that TCU defense to force a turnover, to get a stop in those big moments last year. They were just horrific in this game
0: yeah couldn't get off the field i mean i think the two had they had third they had taken the lead they're up four they had third and 16 early in the fourth quarter and it was like all right get a stop here and the offense was humming if you force a punt you probably win this ball game but Mm -hmm. um travis hunter goes over the top makes a catch and then you know on fourth and two from about midfield um dylan edwards takes one to the house I, i think there's, there's two aspects of the defense that I'm really concerned about. First off, um, we talked earlier about, like, the challenge with prep. But at the same time, Sean Lewis, the Colorado offensive coordinator, he comes from the Art Bryles coaching tree. He l- runs the same exact
1: offense as yes. he in practice.
0: It's the same offense. You have Kendall Bryles on your staff. Like, Joe Gillespie comes from the Texas high school football world, which is heavily influenced by that system. Yes, He knows what that system is. I'm sure they had some wrinkles that they threw in. But, like, he knows those base concepts. He should know how to account for it. And they just looked lost. And um, the the obsession with playing back and just kind of daring quarterbacks to make throws, it didn't work on Saturday. And they also, like, they were horrible at tackling, which they're typically oh, the not. Angles
1: were, the angles were bad. I mean.
0: But I, I think there's something else going on here. You know, they – in 2021 – they were terrible on defense. And so they they really kind of revamped this crew and they went heavy in the portal. And I think they're gonna have to start having some hard conversations. Like there's guys like Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges who are good players. They've been like great leaders for this team, but they are they are inside middle linebackers. Like they are old mm-hmm. school, neck roll, come up in the hole, like fill, Targeting fill, penalties for yeah, Hodge. Fill the gap tackle these running backs and they're doing good in the run game, but people have figured out if you isolate those guys in space, they just do not have, like it it feels like they don't have the athleticism to keep up. And I think you're seeing this a lot with the safeties too. There's some guys in the secondary, like I hate calling out guys individually, but Mark Perry, Bud Clark, like they had really rough games on on Saturday. And these are, these are players that have been around college football for four or five years now. I mean, these are not young dudes. So, Nichols State seems like the perfect opportunity to start working some younger guys in and out. Um, They went heavy in in the safety department in this 2023 class, and they got some freshmen like Jamal Johnson and Radon Fontenet that they're excited about. Chase Biddle's a guy that is in his second year that they're excited about. Uh, Shad Banks, I don't know if Marcel Brooks is healthy, but those are some dudes at linebackers that are just kind of different. And so, I, I'm not saying like there's. I think there's a place for all these guys. I'm just wondering if you need to start having some special packages for um, some of the some of the better athletes on this defense, because it, it's obvious that as you said, there's a book out on the defense. And I mean, I just you got to bring more pressure too. If you're gonna if you're yeah. gonna rush, if you can't three, cover.
1: There's no point. There's no yeah. point if you can't cover anybody. Then what's the point?
0: I mean, I think overall, like, these defensive linemen are doing the best they can, but the numbers are against them. And, obviously, their first responsibility is trying to stop the run and reestablish the line of scrimmage. Um, and they kind of – they, they sort of got bailed out last year because that's the year went on. Dylan Horton just became, like, a, a monster edge rusher. Um, right. and, and that solved some of their problems. But if you don't have dudes on the edge that can win these battles and get to the QB, then you got to do something to change it up. Because, I mean, what like, if you're getting beat – what does it matter if you're getting beat deep if you're also getting beat on these short right. and intermediate passes? Like if they, if they're scoring anyway, no way, point.
1: Just just bring the pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change, change it up and, and that, see talk if that Because the, the Michigan game last year, like they the, they brought pressure in a lot of different ways, and they really committed to that, and, and it worked out, you know, very effectively for them. And they they forced, you know, I know Michigan moved the ball over them, but like yeah. they forced the mistakes they needed to. And if you're gonna give it up anyway, at least be the, you know. The big thing in that game, Steve, we talked about it was the turnover battle. They won the turnover battle because they were forcing mm-hmm. some, some, some tough spots and bad decisions. So they have to do that. The the good news for them is they don't leave the state of Texas until October seventh. Um, that Houston game is it's, I'm circling that game because that game yeah. is going to define how like like like, and, and here's what I'll say, you know I'm not sure if you caught any any of Houston UTSA, uh, that Houston defense might be serious. They, they might be a, they might be a serious outfit. Like they just look a bit more athletic and physical, especially the physicality up front with UTSA. That's an old UTSA group, and usually old groups like to get after you. And they forced Frank Harris into three third quarter interceptions. Uh I kind of like the demeanor and moxie of one Frank Harris more than I like that of, of Chandler Morris. So that's a big game. That's a massive game for both teams because I know, you know, Dan Holgerson's trying to save his job. And I mean, if they can get this thing going in the right direction, hell, who knows? They might be in a, you know, that Houston might have a monster September because uh, they, they're they another team. They don't leave actually the state of Texas until October, like late October against uh, mm-hmm. Kansas State. So that's that's the one I've got circled. I mean, you should take care of business against Nichols. Um, let's see if Kendall Bryles and it's so funny. Now I'm in Arkansas. The, the folks here are glad he's gone. Like okay. he is a very good offensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason why Sonny kind of spent some of the equity that he built up last year, bringing him in, but man, he's got to finish that. And and it's funny. Cause I was thinking about it this week. I feel like the, the drop off from, Ch- from Max to Chandler mirrors the drop off from Garrett to Kendall, right? Like both, the, like both Max and Garrett are very, very good very, very good, you know, at what they do. Chandler's pretty good, we think. I mean, you know, but he's not Max, right? Like, like they have some of the same issues, like decision decision making, uh, you know, like where to go with the football, you know, uh, how mm-hmm. to make plays, what to take care of, you know, more decision making stuff. Somewhat athletic, uh, and then for you know for Garrett Riley, like you know, to Kendall Bryles, Kendall's a very good offensive coordinator, but like there are just some issues in the red zone that are really, really have plagued him in his career. And so I feel like kind of the drop-offs there are very similar. And that was apparent when it mattered.
0: Yeah. I mean, Garrett definitely had some situations too, where he would get too cute in the red zone, but I, I understand yeah. your point. I, I like, I get but like what Kendall you,
1: Bryles is like notoriously too cute. Like yes. that is the one, that is the one thing that he's always been pegged for.
0: Yeah. I'm willing to give this off in some time. I think, you know, the, the challenge that Chandler is going to have to is Max always, he always possessed this and it really, you know, came together full circle last season, but he just had, he was always high on the intangible stuff. And so people loved him for the leadership aspects that Chandler just, I mean, like, I think he's a good leader, but he doesn't outwardly exude some of the, you know, grit and and determination. Yeah, Max would keep coming. If 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 we want to use those cliches, that that Max would. But like
1: Max would make mistakes and be like, I'll do it again. Like, dare me. I'll I'll make the mistake. You know, like like, I'll throw it deep. But like his decision-making got better from you know, yes. junior year, too many risks, you know, too headstrong at times, but, like, he cleaned it up but was still a risk taker the next year, and it kind of worked out altogether. Yeah,
0: he was he was never scared. But, I mean, you're right about the schedule. Like, they have, I think, six games in front of them, maybe five. I don't really know about BYU. I couldn't really tell anything from that same Houston State game. The um, offense might be bad. That they played. But they've got five or six games that they, they most likely will be favored in. Um, but on the road against Houston – It's going to be tough. First Big 12 game. That Houston defense looks good. Um, And they got an experienced quarterback and a good coach in Dana Holgerson. And then I think coming back home to play SMU, like there's going to be a lot of juice around that football game. There always is. But uh, with the series ending in a couple years and SMU joining the ACC and all that, I I feel like there will be some extra motivation for them to make a statement. But um, point being, you have have no margin for error now. Like the goals are still in front of you. But before you hit that gauntlet of the last five games where you play, uh, and I don't have the order off top, but you play Texas and K State and Baylor and Tech and Oklahoma T-
1: K State Tech uh, Texas, Baylor OU and, and K State, Tech and then Oklahoma are all on the road right they're all road games. So before you hit that gauntlet, you gotta
0: have six wins under your belt. like I mean it, it just is what it is yeah. and and if you get there and you're six and one, then you're technically still in the Big 12 championship race and uh, you just kind of see what you can do through that tough stretch of games. But they're going to have to get a lot better because they didn't play clean football. You know, we've talked about some of the the glaring issues that they have um, and there's time to fix it. But now, you know, last they were in a lot of games like last week, last season, but they won those games. You know, they, they made the plays. They won games that you were like for three and a half quarters. You thought, I don't know about this, but then they pulled right. it out. And uh, last week the magic kind of ended on them. They didn't have the last second, last gas drive to to put it away.
1: All right, Stephen, where can the folks find you and your work and all of its variety?
0: Yeah, so Locked on Horned Frogs. So you can subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on uh, your favorite podcast app. And I'm at Simcox Steven on Twitter. The show is at Locked on TCU. And I'm happy to be here with my friend Josh Neighbors. I'm liking the show, buddy, and I think you're doing a great job.
1: I miss, I miss you. I miss you all. And, uh, I'm sorry about your loss this weekend, but they you know what <laughs> the good news. Is it was to a future big 12 teams. I guess it's all good.
0: It makes for good uh, content, man. I really can't. Uh, like, it
1: does. They've kind of checked
0: all the boxes as far as content goes the last year plus. So I can appreciate it. Right. All right, Steven, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man.